Alright guys, welcome to CLD Talks, I'm your host Connor Maxwell. Today we are in the Fuse Youth Cafe where we are speaking to Ashley, Sharon, Caitlin and Keegan. Caitlin and Keegan run their own youth-led podcast which is incredible so you need to check that out and Sharon and Ashley tell us all about the organisation. So without further ado, here's Sharon and Ashley. So Sharon, if you could just tell us a wee bit about yourself and your career in CLD first, that would be amazing. Okay, my name's Sharon Baldwin. Um, my career in CLD, um, well, currently I'm working for Fuse Youth Cafe. How I came about to work here is, well, I'm not actually, um, my degree doesn't lie in CLD. It's my experience that lies in CLD. Um, I was in the private sector. I'm actually a food scientist. A food scientist? <laughs> yeah. Um, having did that every day, working for the private sector, and get quite jealous of being married to the chief executive in here, watching him every day coming in and talking about his work and seeing the impact of that kind of work. And I was also a volunteer and um, nice. on boards of third sector organisations. So I decided I kind of wanted a wee bit of that as well. That's so, amazing. Like, so what does a food scientist do? <laughs> what I did was basically, <laughs> um, we would work in sales quite a lot. So uh, our sales guys would go out to factories uh, that like maybe sold things one of our biggest customers was Greg's. Cool. So the people who make the sausage rolls, we made the ingredients that went into the sausage rolls, all the nice spices. Ah. So I was the person who our sales guys would say, can you make this new sausage roll, a Christmas theme? And it would be my job to go and make up something with all these nice new flavours to test it out on them and basically create something new. That's such a cool job, isn't it? It was a cool but job. But this is a better job. But this is a better job. <laughs> Um, and like I said, I get quite jealous of watching Jerry coming in every day and some of the colleagues that I was on boards with, right. um, the impact that they made, just the difference that they were making in the, the, the communities that they were working in. So I kind of wanted a wee piece of that myself and decided yeah. to move over into working with young people and getting them into employment. Aye. Had absolutely zero experience in that, but I decided I would wing it and I would get the experience in the job and that's exactly what I did. <laughs> That's amazing, but it's even but just to have the courage to change a full career and swap like into that and into this field as well, which can be unpredictable. That's that takes guts. That's yeah. amazing. because uh, yeah, that's it's interesting you say that unpredictable because it's less structured than what it is when you're working for uh-huh. a, a company whose main thing is to make profit, yeah. um, monetary profit, but um, to come over and work in this sector and to make a difference to right here in Fuse to, mm-hmm. to young people's lives so that's kind of where it started and I'm not going to bore you with how I got from there to there to there to there to I'm here today but I'm working with Fuse Youth Cafe today and uh, I've actually owned my third job here amazing <laughs> five years in I took a temporary contract just to fill a space uh, I was only meant to be here for eight months and I moved into being the business development manager and it was just about creating other opportunities to earn money to help sustain the charity. Yeah. Um, and then just last year I became the Chief Operating Officer. It's a pure Sunday name, fancy title. <laughs> Looks great on my CV if anybody wants to hire me <laughs> when the funding runs out here. But basically I'm just an ops manager. And the best way I describe my role in here is I'm the housekeeper. I'm pretty yeah. much the person who looks after they run into the building. Yeah. We have got a facilities manager. We have got people like Ashley, my colleague here, who runs projects. We have got a chief exec. But I'm pretty much the person that tries to be the jail. Can I keep more of these things running and can I unison? Yeah. So is it what you see every day is pretty much looked after? 
That's amazing. How do you find it? It is extremely busy. I think you've seen that when you came in today. Aye. I don't know what day of the week it is, but I love it. I wouldn't change it. I mean, I actually can't wait to go. I'm going home tonight and I've got a piece of work to do, but it's one of the ones where you don't even mind. Aye. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts myself with uh, inspirational people and I'm fortunate I'm one, and this is so cheesy to say this, but I'm really fortunate that I've got a job that I love, so it feels like a hobby to me. That probably makes me sound boring, you know, other people might watch the telly have other hobbies, but I love nothing more than just getting stuck into a funding application or a monitoring, monitoring report or a bit of finance. But then, but I think that's it's a massive part of what we do, isn't it? And the, but you need people that also enjoy that side of things because that's a massive role in what we do. Like we, we can talk about the nice things about group work. We can talk about um, making differences like front facing. But if we don't do the background stuff, then we can't actually do the front facing stuff either. So it is so important. Uh, it's funny you should say that because that's what myself and Ashley were just talking about before <laughs> we walked into this room about how we had an idea what our day was going to look like. And I don't know why we do that, because we know it's never going to look like that. <laughs> so Ashley's probably the same as me. She's decided she's meant to be finished at five. She'll be finished about half past six tonight. She's probably going to be working at home as well <laughs> to prepare for her spring programme. I'll let her tell you a wee bit about that. But I, it's fortunately, we've got another person who's passionate in, in the main in here. We've got extremely passionate um, workers in here, so it helps. Aye, that's amazing. Ashley, do you want to tell us a wee bit about yourself? So, my name's Ashley Thompson. Um, I've been at Fuse now for five and a half years, something like that. I started just before Sharon, um, but I started part-time. Um, I was working at Glasgow Kelvin College at the time as well. Um, so, I kind of, to be honest, I thought this was kind of going to be a, a stopover, and I was going to do some part-time work till I found a full-time job somewhere else. You've never left. Um, and I've never left. <laughs> Five and a half years on, and I'm still here. Um, but I generally do lasting jobs. You know, I don't jump from job to job anyway. Mm. So, um, but just how how I got here was um, I went from I, I wasn't entirely sure what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Couldn't tell you. You know, I, I left school and I went to do maritime studies, <laughs> and um, I was convinced I was going to be working with marine life and then I left that after two weeks and I crossed the bridge at the college and I walked into the hairdressers and asked if they were looking for MD and I worked there for a year and a half <laughs> and then um, had a wee accident there and I never went back <laughs> and, um, I, and then I just kind of had no idea but you know nothing seemed to fit mm-hmm. um, but I knew that I was always going to be antsy in a job I couldn't have like just a generic you know, working in retail, so it just wasn't me. Um, and funnily enough, our kind of sister project, um, Pavilion, is where I was offered my first um, kind of youth work job. So I said aye. Um, and then I worked in various other organisations, and I've come right back round to be working here, who also work with Pavilion. So, you know, I've kind of done amazing. a 360. So, um, I'm now the youth programmes coordinator in here, so I oversee kind of the floor. Um, drop-in sessions for kids, mm-hmm. seniors, and then we've got like the schools programme, so we work with some of the, the local East End schools, primary and secondary, um, so we'll tutor maths and English, we'll do employability, stuff like that, um, and that's pretty much what I'm I'm doing at the moment. Um, again, I've had about, you know, our CEO laughs and says any job <laughs> that comes up, Ashley's going to apply for, because... <laughs> and get. Um, and get, because I interview well, 
Um, and I just, I just kind of go for all the, the other jobs in here. And he said, um, he said to me a couple of weeks ago, he says, if there was a janitor's job came up, you'd probably go for that as well. <laughs> so, <laughs> I've, I've just, I, I started off as um, an inclusion officer in here, um, where we had kids coming in. Mm. Um, and then I just kind of moved through oh. the, the ranks. So this this is what I'm doing now, um, yeah. which, oh. you know, as Sharon had said, it's, it's full on. Aye, um, definitely. So, what sort of like um, groups and that do you do? What's like the age ranges and so sort of it really depends on the time of year. That I always say this place can at every quarter changes so much. Aye. So you know January to um, kind of April is a very different place to the summer to the the kind of autumn and then the winter. Aye. We always change. Um, so we mostly work from primary five to sevens in the juniors mm. club. And then we work with first year up to 19 years cool. and the seniors. Um, and then we, during the holiday time, we'll also introduce a club for primary 24s. So right. we work primary one all the way up to 19 years, Brilliant. mostly. So, you know, um, we also have adult groups and stuff like that as well. Uh, it's not just youth work then, so it's, it's everything? So it's a community organisation as opposed to a youth organisation. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, we, we kind of do, uh, I, I try not to use it, but it's almost like, you know, the cradle to grave sort of. I know. You know, kind of organisation, we work with the families. We, we've kind of got a wee bit in loads of different things, so. No, that's amazing, but I, I think that's, uh, our service, I've worked with South Lancashire Council, people might already know that already, but we went through a merger where then we were only youth working, now we do everything, but mm-hmm. I think that that approach is totally fundamental, especially when you're working right in the heart of communities, like you guys are right in the heart of community, similar positioning actually to where my centre is as well, but you need that, don't you, because you need to work with everybody, you need to work with families, yeah. you need to work with some elderly and people that need that extra bit of support. It's really funny because if you look at the building from outside and everybody says it, oh, it's tiny for outside. We say that. And then when you walk right. in, you go, oh my God, this is massive. We <laughs> couldn't believe we were getting took uh. upstairs. We were, we, we get brought through and we were wandering around. Ben had the big box to be fair and then I was just like, we're going upstairs. Where's that? How does this work? It was a total, like... Well, it's I, interesting. I don't know if you know your history. This was a pub. Oh, is it? Nice. So this would have been the living quarters that you're in just now. So, yeah, uh-huh. I, and, and we got an extension, so we managed to, um, well, the CEO managed to secure some funding from the big lottery mainly, amongst many other funders, to get the extension. So I don't know if you noticed when you passed through to come up the stairs, there was a big hall at the back. Aye, So aye. we call that our annex. Um, nice. But that's an additional piece. Could you tell us a wee bit about the space? Because, like, to be fair, I'm jealous about the space. Like, I've got a really small centre. We do really good work in it, but we're, we are small. But the space is, like, huge. Like, it's a great, great space. So we're kind of split into zones, if you like. Yep. Um, I don't know. We've very most recently got the what used to be the cafe area, which is the front where all the couches mm-hmm. are. Um, that was a cafe. That's now called the living room. The kids Did you have, see it? No, we we oh, we pretty much so we were lovely. just like maybe, straight up the stairs. Maybe and... no show yet because he might get really jealous. Yeah, we DFS got a lot. DFS have just did a makeover and we've got loads of couches, rugs. Yeah, we get a lot of new soft stuff. furnishings. Oh, amazing! That's gorgeous. But um, the problem is the staff and the kids don't want to leave it. <laughs> well, but, well. So we're split into zones. So we have um, the IT suite, which is basically obviously all your computers. Yep. And Glasgow Kelvin College actually own them. And, and, you know, when the kids use them, they sign up to their policies and... And, their and the firewalls, so it's all yeah. very well protected through yeah, yeah, yeah. the college. So it's a, a learner's account that they get. 
From the college? From the college and they get access to a youth access member of staff and they get access to all these modules. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. education just there, like that, Brilliant. without so even seeing a lecturer. Is that the modules that are learning on your website? Or they, um, is that different? No, that's This is the, the historical John Wheatley learning networks. Um, yep. And that means a lot in Cherry. Uh, this is Alan Cherry was talking about this yes. when he came on to the yeah. podcast. So it was in how they're in different, they're in right places within communities. Yeah. So yeah. this is yeah. one of them. Ah, right, okay. So we are a learning centre that, like Brilliant. Alan spoke about. Yeah, that's one of, this is a kind of legacy from Alan's days at the college. Amazing. Yeah. Um, and then if you move into the living room, which is... Such a um, good name. Yep. yep. So that is kind of, it's... It was it was originally the the main bar in the pub, mm -hmm. so so much so that it used to have the the pipes all the way through to the barrels in the cellar. Right. You know, it was proper uh, like bar at one point. Um, that obviously get made over a couple of times now. Um, so that's that's like the chill out place now. That's where we've got to drag them off the couches to take part in something. Uh, um, we have the gig space which. We used to have gigs in. We've got the the kind of stage area there, the lighting and stuff like that. We've got the sound the booth. That would have been the lounge of the pub, um, and that's where kids mostly kind of play pool. They'll do yeah. their arts and crafts in there. Um, we've got two TVs. We were going to have three in there, but we've got two. <laughs> we were being greedy. Um, and then if you go through the back, we've got the annex with the large hall. Um, that's got its its own reception area if people are going to book it out for various different things because we do have loads of other partnership programs that use yep. the hall for different things, um, and then up the stairs we've got the meeting room and the offices. I, I like the names of the rooms. That was the, one of the first things oh, I spotted. Oh yeah, Star that Wars. Theme. Nah, that, that was our CEO that named them after um, kind of so Star Wars places. And Star Wars buff. Very Aye. much, and the kids love it. So. Aye, that's it. That's Aye. it. But um, that, that's generally it. We've also got, very recently, we've got a wee kind of garden area around the side, um, mm. which during the summer the kids love to kind of hang around there. And um, if we're going to do any messy stuff, they generally get put around there Aye. so that it's, it's a wee bit easier to clean up. They've got um, places they can garden in and they can plant seeds and, you know, all that sort of stuff. So, aye, it's, it's a good area. If you look at the front, it's very misleading. Um, but it very much suits your needs. So, yeah. so it's a good building. Um, as harm jails. We're oh. lucky because there's a lot of organisations that don't have um, the fortunate space that we have got in, in the different rooms. So yeah. aye, we are very lucky that way. Aye, no, definitely. But it's, it's a great space. But for the amount of projects that you're running, you're, you're able then to do so much in like the one day as well. So you're not like... I suppose we, we are limited to really one activity. Mm -hmm. So we are, well, um, for what we can really do, we need to go maybe to do some area-based provisions if we wanted to run to. But then you can have so much running in here at one time that's benefiting so many people, which is so good. We could easily double it. Um, one of the things that Ashley spoke about there, she just touched on that, was we were primarily, so when, when the pub was taken over, it was a decision through the Community Planning Partnership, the local police at the time, uh, Glasgow Kelvin College, who were known as John Wheatley, Mm -hmm. college at the time um, who basically put their heads together with Shields and Housing Association and this was a pub that had lost its licence so I think it had that kind of negative impact on the area mm -hmm. uh, Glasgow pub, East End Glasgow pub they wanted to make something nice and positive out of that and that's why they came up with Fuse uh, being a youth mm -hmm. organisation um, but they came up with loads of names they were going to call it a, few, a, youth, a youth pub 
that doesn't kiss it well. So that's why the name Kathy, because we do get confused. Kathy's a concept, it's not really, we don't serve cups of tea to anybody. It's uh, the, a youth cafe, as in that's where they congregate. So, aye, we have had people coming in, maybe getting their car washed, thinking they can sell them a roll and sausage, but it's, <laughs> it's not like that. It's a different it's a different concept. But we were primarily a youth organisation. Mm. We didn't do anything else other than the drop-in. And then we're going back before the CEO's time, because yep. I worked for the organisation way back then, mm-hmm. um, in another life. Um, and we didn't do anything beyond that. And they were only open a couple of nights a week. But in Jerry's tenure in this place, it's pretty much it's open six nights a week. Yep. Uh, we serve more than the, the young people because we try to work towards like the Scottish Government National Performance Framework. We try to contribute to the Sustainable Development Goals. So we need to do our bit. And how mm. do we do that effectively if you're only going to work with the young people in an area? And that is an area of deprivation. However, you wouldn't know that when you talk to our kids. Like The right. kids that we've got are so enthusiastic, energetic, they're, they're, is, they're, they're just as, you wouldn't know them for kids that come from a more affluent area, yeah. you know, and, and what they get in here is pretty much what they lead on and create in here. But we figured that we needed to do a bit more because it's all right working with the kids, but what about the wider families? What about some of, so some of the issues that are present in the area, unfortunately, things like uh, unemployment, mm-hmm. um, disadvantages like poverty, that how do we address some of these things if we're only working with young people? So that's why we looked at, um, well, our business plan reflects um, these new themes that have come up yeah. that identified areas of work that we need to be concerned with. So isn't it just about the young people? It is things like digital inclusion for the adults. Yeah. It is looking at life skills and employability. So working with the young people to take them through a journey. And you'll hear that with Caitlin and Keegan later on. Caitlin yeah. and Keegan, Keegan are still on that journey with us. Yeah. And they're really good. And they're not the only young people that that's happened with in here. But that is really, really important. The progression yeah. of young people is really important to us. Yeah, as we talk about quite a lot, um, it's that idea that we c- you can do a lot of support for young people and a lot of interventions. But it's, um, when they go home, then if you know if that if there's issues in the home that then we the the adult or the parent isn't then getting supported with then the work that we are doing how much impact is that going to be because they're only with you a certain amount of time so that idea and that um, philosophy then working with the parents and the adults it's so fundamental because then you're helping everybody then in the house yeah so yeah you're have, you're able then to reach more people and ultimately help more people. Connor, that is exactly the conversation myself and Ashley had a few years ago. It was exactly, there was a particular young person where we felt that we had done so much good work and it was like when they went home and they came back, we were, the conversations that were coming about were quite negative yeah. and it was stuff around, we are trying to help young people see that benefits are not the way, work is the way, progression is the way, go into employment, go into education, you don't just stop there, you know, what do you want to do with your future? And it was quite sad to see this particular young person coming back and everything that was done was unwound. Yeah. So we were like, we kind of needed this stuff. So we started off doing our parental engagement programme in um, partnership with the, well, a couple of schools, but it was East Bank, the school just over the road yeah. there, um, primarily. But we worked with three different schools at that point to do um, the parental engagement programme. So they would come in here and they would cook together. Yeah. Um, but it, it went a wee bit further than that. We then worked with the college, and I don't know if Alan had alluded to this, where we were doing certificated courses with the adults. So stuff to get them interested, because if we can get them through the doors to do health and beauty, say, yeah. then they might ask, is there something else? And we can take them into doing, it led on to first aid, 
basic employability type certificates, but more than anything else, they then started to recognise us as their community hub. Yeah. So, because we need their input, we need them to tell us what do they need. And they need to know that we're here in the first place to be able to have the conversations with them. Totally, totally. But I think that, that is so important to work with everybody. It, it, it's, a, it's a full-rounded approach, but it shows you're serving the full community, which is so important. Mm-hmm. But then what, so what benefits or advantages is that then came to like the organisation and the staff here? Because if, if you're just maybe doing youth work only, then how changing working with adults, that is a bit of a different approach. I, th- I think... For, for me, I noticed that certainly, and I know everybody talks about it, but COVID definitely changed our outlook and how we delivered yep. anything, really. Um, but it did also <laughs> allow us an opportunity. You know, it wasn't a disadvantage to us. It allowed us to, to support the families more because we were, we were doing that wee bit extra. We were, we were getting involved that wee bit more. Um, so things like, you know, the adult programmes mm-hmm. um, and the di- digital inclusion, there was a gap there for so many people of a certain age um, or who don't have the skills to use basic, you know, technology yeah. or didn't have basic technology and, it you know, there was um, funding out there yeah. for phones and laptops and iPads to stop people from being secluded from the oh. world um, during lockdown. So... Um, you, you know, one of your biggest things was about how do we integrate them back into community? How do we get them mm. um, out of isolation and, and so that they're not kind of stuck in and, mm-hmm. you know, themselves? So for us, we, we certainly noticed that we've got a core group of people now yep. that come to us for support or different things, but that's went from not being able to use a phone to now being able to apply for jobs online or be able to do their shopping online you know that's an advantage that's massive compared to just a year ago they they were secluded and and, and couldn't contact anybody so that's one of the benefits that we've certainly noticed because we had started to set up our digital inclusion program just before covid and it was i still laugh to this day at the idea of working with extremely digitally excluded people online to help them get online Uh. (laughs) how do you get them online to help them get online but I've got to say, I was made to eat my words. It started off with a phone service to then teach them how to go online. And we did a thing, a, a kind of concept that was talk and tech. Mm-hmm. And basically the way we, we, our approach was quite, I think it was quite unique to it because we recognised that if you were dealing with, because we had quite a lot of elderly people accessing this service, so if you were dealing with somebody who was maybe in their 60s or 70s who couldn't use a phone, like a smartphone or a, an iPad, they feel a bit stupid admitting yeah. to that and you're saying but it's that button I don't know what that button means you know press your start button but it's my start button I can't yeah. you know and and what we had was uh, a member of staff who would come on like me probably usually it was a woman in my kind of age just chatting away to uh, as Jerry would call him Mrs McGlumfer <laughs> but talk to her about how's your day what have you been doing you know you, uh, uh, um, what have you been watching on the TV while the tech person, James or Grant, would, would find out what device they were accessing and going away and researching it so that they could guide them through That's how to go on. And it really, really worked. It's quite time consuming because you've got two members of staff to that one person and it's an hour appointment and we were doing that yeah. online through COVID. So our numbers weren't particularly high, but they were bursting at the same time. But then that's not about numbers, that's about proper help and proper support. Yeah. So 
no other hundred day has to be measured in numbers, but that's the real support and the real benefits you are giving to people there. Yeah. So it doesn't matter the time commitment to that because you're making a real difference. Connor, I'm talking to somebody who also works in the third sector, but unfortunately, no, everybody works in the third sector and didn't always see it that way. But if you work in the third sector, you completely appreciate that that is. It's Aye. not about the numbers then, it's about the capability. Because Shettleson, in a previous job here, Shettleson was identified as one of the most digitally excluded places in the UK. Wow. That is an actual statistic. And that was around about 2014 it was identified. Yeah. And I don't think anything has got much better today. And it was based on the uptake of broadband affordability for things like broadband. Right. But it still stands. And as Ashley said, we were able to put people in touch with the Connecting Scotland devices. It was there. We get involved in a partnership. The government uh, were giving out these devices. We just put people in touch with the devices and the MiFi boxes so that they could go online. That's it. But that's it's, it's such an important part of this. We were involved in all that sort of stuff as well, but it was such an important part. And what I actually hadn't realised when mm. we were going through this was how many people just didn't have Wi-Fi. And you just really sort of... Sometimes you don't you don't maybe think about other people and you think about yourself and you think, I take Wi-Fi for granted, but actually the amount of people that just never had access to this mm-hmm. stuff that were then in the world that couldn't speak to people, it was, it was insane. It was shocking. Do you know, it's funny because the world is digital now, so, mm. you know, you could quite happily um, live in your house and never go back out and do everything on your phone. Uh-huh. You know, you can have your shopping, your clothes, everything to your door whenever you feel like mm. it. But if you don't know how to access things like, you know, shopping, if you're not allowed out because of, of COVID restrictions, how do you do that as a 73-year-old yeah. person who doesn't know how to use a phone, let alone order shopping in, um, who's maybe isolating? How, how do you, if, if, if you've not got family, how do you go about that kind of support? Yeah. Um, what I thought was is really beneficial, um, but actually highlights quite a big thing is, you know, we could have um, someone who's maybe, like I say, 73, mm-hmm. and somebody who's 14, and equally they still don't know the same skills. Yeah. I think we, we take for granted the fact that so many kids are all, always on a phone, but they might not know how to use um, a computer. Word processing. They, don't know, they don't know how to make a PowerPoint or do a spreadsheet. They've not got a clue how to manoeuvre around about Word. Yeah. But they're, they're on fire with social media. Yeah, but then they were expected <laughs> to do their, their homework at home yeah. for, for the best part of a year. Yeah. And, and wondering why they were struggling so much and you're thinking you spend all your time on technology but actually you're accessing the exact same things every day you're scrolling through uh, social media a, so, so that highlighted you, a lot you know the buttons you know what you know what logo I want to press I know what Insta yeah. is I know what TikTok is and, and they're not doing it but I think one of the things that's why I think there was a lot of disengagement with online learning with a lot of young people and it's because they just didn't know how to use the technology that they were then given but then people in the house also did they know so how can you then be supported mm-hmm. if you kind of got on the call because you don't know how to go on the call and then if the schools are not able to reach everybody but the people in your house then still don't know then how that cycle is just so difficult to come yeah. like so difficult to try and overcome so it is and there's a lot of people that missed out in years of education just because they couldn't do it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i think the legacy <coughs> from all of that though is that we've now got young people in here who are much more technically advanced than they were yeah. um but also they're no secluded, as in, you know, if everything were to kind of drop the day again, they would all be on Zoom calls with us and clubs online and, and still get that connection. You've also got people <coughs> who 
or in their 80s who are on Zoom with some of the staff telling them about a TV programme they were watching the night before. Right. I mean, that's amazing. A year ago, mm-hmm. we would have never thought that was possible. Yeah. So it's it's definitely, you know, it's keeping people together. Yeah. Do you know I think it's, it's really cool <coughs> when you speak to organisations and we do this, and when we always speak about COVID, it always comes up, but it's how people then have turned that into a positive and how that they're using that to really make a difference in their organisation because... It would, you, you said it perfectly, it was an opportunity. It was an opportunity about, to assess ourselves. What are we doing? What are we delivering? But then how are we then going to make it still make a difference in what we're doing rather than just down in tools and we disappear? It's how adaptable I think is amazing. It's how we are so adaptable in community learning development, youth work, adult education, or whatever name people want to use. That just shows that that's how important that we are because we can do that and it's been proven so many organisations just across the country. Yeah. It's definitely opened... Um, it's opened a new world to the young people that we work with. Um, I've noticed that through mental health. Um, if we look kind of pre-COVID, we had many kids in here who were very reliant on the staff. Um, our biggest problem isn't getting kids in the door, it's getting them back out. You know, <laughs> it's it, a great was becoming, it was becoming, um, you know, even moving people on after age of 19 when they were like, we don't, we don't want to go. And we were, you know, we had you know, a lot of young people who really, really seen this as a safety. Mm-hmm. Um, COVID almost forced them into, you know, kind of sink or swim, to be quite honest with you. And now what we've got is a massive group of young people who come in here um, who are like, I want to just take charge of my own mental health, my own stuff, you know, because I've not been able to access things. I have been let down by other organisations in terms of maybe support from doctors and you know, the usual kind of routes, cams and stuff like that. So now what I want you to do is just give me the tools and I'll sort myself out. You know, that's the mm-hmm. way we're going now, where they've became a wee bit more independent through lockdown. So our jobs now has changed in terms of we're going from, you know, really supporting these young people intensely to saying, what can we do to help you seek support yourself? Or, you know, the this year, we've got a lot of young people who normally, for, for things like mental health and, and some of our programmes, it would be like, you know, can we do this? Can we do that? But now it's like, can you take us to a walking group so that we can just, you know, go for big walks and yeah. we can, you know, give me some books and it's self-help for mental health and stuff. That's that's a massive change just in the last couple of years. That's yeah. totally different. The other thing that we probably haven't mentioned, you mentioned earlier on before the wanted this interview Connor was the, the game and you mentioned adaptability there the game was never designed I don't know if Jerry spoke to you much about it but the game was never designed to be online it wasn't an online no. job it was actually the exact opposite we had young people and children coming in here after school and they would sit on their phones mm-hmm. and we've, we don't tend to want to say you're not allowed to do that we try to encourage and promote children and young people making decisions for themselves so we don't want to be the police about that, but we do try to get them to get involved in um, activities. So the game is designed to promote that. Yeah. And it was a wee bit like, I think it's a bit like the Youth Scotland suite of accreditation, where you get accreditation based on the level of engagement. So if you mm. just simply take part, you would maybe do a, a, a um, bronze award for your dynamic youth, yeah. uh, uh, your youth achievement. achievement. You would do the bronze level. And the higher up you go, mm. silver, gold, platinum, depends on your level of engagement, as in... Do you lead? Do you develop it? Yeah. Do you you lead on these sessions? And the games are very same. So you would get awarded points based on did you take part in that activity? So overnight, when the game was released, and this is the offline version, 
we went for kids competing to like like sitting on the phones to competing with each other to clean up the kitchen because there was mere points in cleaning up the kitchen. Yeah. You know, after they'd done a cooking, <laughs> uh, can I hoover because there's mere points? They were doing the digitals, the certificates with youth access mm -hmm. because today something educational was giving you even more points. We had to look at that because you were getting a whack at like 100 points as opposed <laughs> to 20 points when you did something educational. But you could maybe only spend 20 minutes doing that. So we had to look at the kind of... We've had to like go back to the drawing board many times about the point system with that. But the good thing is, is overnight, it was like 99% kids had taken part in mm -hmm. the game. It was like, aye, they were, and they were asking for stuff. But even better than that, they were saying, why don't we do this? Why don't we do that? So some of the even more simpler things was like the wee girls. I walked down the stair one day and the wee girls had decided they were doing a dance. So they were putting on a show. Right. And they've made up tickets to sell. They were only like 10 year old. They've made up tickets to sell for no money. And people went to watch. But they were organising. They were learning really all these good. skills about organising. And they were confident enough to stand up there and do dances in front of their peers. Which was just brilliant. And we had other kids, with the support of Good Youth Work staff, doing, uh, writing books. And because Jordan, when we had Jordan, we don't have him now. But he's, he was a really good youth worker. But he'd worked with some of the young people to do these books and every Friday they would go and they would bind their books up here and they would do their reading and stuff like that. It was fab because they were just taking ownership of their own. Well, what do you want to do in Fuse? It's your club. Yeah. And that's pretty much what we try to promote with the living room. I didn't know we were calling it the living room. But that's what we try to promote there. It's your club. Yeah. You tell us. I said it's your space. Aye, it's your space. Because it makes your life easier. We'll be led by you. Um, yeah. So what do you get with points for the game? Points mean prizes. Um, yeah, and prizes are pretty good. We are funded with the Scottish Government to deliver this programme because it gets us more than just simply giving points. It is about engagement. It is about... Um, through COVID, we had to adapt that programme to be online. So that's kind of pretty much where you see most of the points brings us onto that. Um, it allowed us to do cooking sessions online and involve families. Brilliant. And it also allowed us to non-stigmatise supporting families who'd maybe found themselves in new poverty. Yep. And we don't really like to like kind of linger on that too much because COVID was a new thing for everybody. People found themselves in different new circumstances. Mm -hmm. But we didn't know who maybe needed help. We don't need to know. But we were able to give out like activity packs, like say, we're going to make hamburgers tonight. Yep. Or we're going to make hamburgers on Thursday. This is Tuesday night. Come and pick up a pack. And all the ingredients are in there. Some people are doing it for the fun of it. Some people might have been a wee bit of a lifeline because there yeah. was a meal in a pack there. We don't know who the lifeline was. We don't need to know that. Mm -hmm. Because we're only interested in the young people and their progressions and their families who couldn't care less whether you're poor or you've got money. Yeah. And that was really good to be able to do that. But what happened, interestingly, was we had all these youth workers that had to turn into TV, kids' TV presenters overnight. <laughs> and it didn't matter what level you worked in for us. There's a video on there of me making macaroni and cheese in my kitchen. Was it nice? And I'm not a youth worker. Ah, of course it was. My macaroni and cheese is banging. It's like the best <laughs> macaroni and cheese ever. But I, but that's just to explain it. Was, it can, in fact, we had local elected members, the councillors. We had one doing a storytelling session. We had another one, a Tory councillor, doing a line dance. A line dance? <laughs> Happy to put he's quite young. Happy to put yourself out there for the, the, the sake of the young people to show we're all getting involved in this, show me your line dance as well. Mm. So so they all had points attached to them. Again, the points were what level are. So 
if you maybe took part and showed us that you took part in it, that you did the same thing, you would get points. If you maybe then, I'm going to counter your video and I'm going to do a similar video, like we had young people sending in fitness videos, their fitness routines, Amazing. or their, their football skills, or here I baked this pizza, then they got more points. So the different level of participation got you more points. But we had phenomenal videos for young people. And yeah. it was good because we were able to, for the first time, really show the people who fund our programmes, be able to show them, actually, here's our young people and here's what they do. Because yeah. you only get to hear my words on a piece of paper, you know, and rather than see, there's a real case study in front of you. I totally see that. How did you feel moving into digital, doing all the videos? Because, like, in, in my team, we had a few people that were just dead nervous about it. Like, you know, it was the idea, like showing your home and you were trying to be confident on screen and you were turning into this like content creator essentially and yeah do you know what's funny because i actually originally thought that our older members of staff would have been the ones to struggle but actually we've got people like Teresa and davy who were loving it you know ah. they did become we presenters it was the younger ones who were like really shy I'm oh, so shy right. to be on the camera. And, Were you shy? Well, don't, don't look at me. Actually, I, I, you know, I'm six and a half a dozen. I make it and I date myself every day in here. So what's the difference if I date online? <laughs> you know, you said that. You know, it makes no difference. It's part and parcel of the job. So um, it didn't bother me. But, you know, you do have the kind of young trainee staff and stuff that's like, you're recording me. You're, you're going, what? And I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, you're on Snapchat every day and... TikTok and now you're worried that somebody's going to laugh that you've done a video so it was actually them you know it's, do you know what I found amazing was there were so many staff who were not great with computers mm -hmm. and tablets and recording and if you'd have said to them a couple of years ago you know you're going to have to do your, your, your job online they would have absolutely killed there mm -hmm. but they excelled and we've got so many staff now that can do things they never could so it really upskilled the staff. Oh, yeah. um, and again, I'm going to keep saying opportunity because <laughs> know that I mean to rub it into other places, but many places really um, suffered through mm. COVID. We excelled. We, yeah. we are now a completely different organisation to what we, are, we were a few years ago mm. because we had the opportunity to do different things, to upskill the staff, to deliver different kinds of projects, which at the end of the day, you know, we get funding for things that we did not before yeah. um, because we're doing different projects that we would have never had the skills and the, the capacity day before yeah. we got to restructure our organisation um, we got to you know take the opportunity and the time to really develop the staff and the programmes and the projects that we wanted to today that we never had the time to because we're mm. always full pelt in here yeah. so to be honest you know Covid was it wasn't that bad for us ah. we were very lucky and yeah. I'll, I'll use the word lucky because other people weren't. We, we, we were. We certainly thrived. Um, I myself, I learned how to use Premiere Pro. I've never done edit in my life. Oh, yeah. But I wanted to learn how to use it. That's not my day job. Like Ashley said, I don't think there's anybody in here who did their day job. They turned to different jobs yeah. completely. And the funders were phenomenal. They they promoted it. They liked to hear our stories. And they totally supported us with it. And it totally was thriving in that. And the other thing about the game as well, because we're on the podcast, I didn't need to give kudos to our partners. We've got good partners in mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the programmes that we do. But the, the game, we were working with um, other organisations as well. It was pretty much, let's all support and some of were probably stronger in other areas than, than each other for instance having that big network 
our people on the game and it kind of put us in touch with other organisations that we could yeah. signpost to our families to for other things that we maybe could support because we're not here to do everything mm -hmm. but it's quite nice to know other people who can do the things that we can't do yeah. so for instance being able to um, signpost people and a connect community trust or fair who are based in Easter House for families who maybe did need uh, additional food parcels yep. or <coughs> gas and electricity support welfare rights advice you know it was great to have that connection with all these other organizations and we also had Glasgow Kelvin College supporting us with the game as well it was really good uh, I think um, you know it wasn't without a graft you know the staff right. really did push themselves we, we were doing things like during lockdown we had um, <laughs> you know we had loads of staff that were working to deliver parcels to families mm -hmm. or you know and making them up was was no easy either Aye. you know especially myself, when you're getting <laughs> new regulations and you're not supposed to near each other but you're like so, so you've got masks on and you've got a conveyor belt with every people we all the staff to no, the system. Yeah. Yeah. Literally, ah, that's that the way it was. And then when people were coming, you had to put them down at the door, walk away, and let them collect. It. You know that that was yeah. that was all learning. Yeah. Um, and it was long hours. And and then you were going home and you were making a couple of videos that night. So you were finding that actually, you know, in terms of your ninety five day, if you're lucky enough, or your certain hours, you were maybe then. 12 hours spread um. through a day and you were wondering why you were knackered but no leaving we the house. We kind of burn, <laughs> I think some of the staff did. We, we, we voluntarily did that because I think, well, it was COVID, there's nothing else to do. Aye. And we just did it. And I would say just about every single staff was like that. Um, bar the ones that ended up furloughed because we had staff who were maybe paid by the Scottish Government, paid by different funders. We had the responsibility to our community out there, so yeah. we, we did make use of that, which was really, really good. But um I had to just, I mean, for instance, I, right away, I was just thinking about how when we had to do the overnight going online, I was ordering stuff off, off of Amazon. I was away delivering laptops and stands and yeah. <laughs> for people's mobile phones and microphones and things. I was going all around the place going, do you need that? Do you need that? And yeah. I mean, it was great fun, but it was kind of what you did. And then yeah. you took a breath later on and went, I'm knackered. That was about six months later. I am actually burnt out now. Aye, totally, totally. You know, we, we, even things like, you know, we had um, a group of seniors in here who they were a lot smaller i mean our, our seniors has sprouted arms and legs mm -hmm. we, we were going from maybe 10 seniors and we're now getting 30 plus seniors easily a night um but we'd created a facebook messenger page that yeah. staff would all have a login to and if the young people were struggling they could private mail we would have groups um to invite them to zoom meetings and yeah. calls and clubs and um, cooking sessions. sessions and stuff we would also use it just to check in with them we would play quizzes with them online lunchtime and stuff sessions. lunchtime sessions all that sort of stuff and that still to this day is how the young people all connect with us and with each other so that again is a legacy from from all of that that we didn't have before because again you know you push yourself and you think it's not really possible but then when you're forced to and when it's in front of you, you, you do it and, and you can't imagine not having it anymore. No, and we got to know a lot of the families. I mean, you, one, you get to see inside the bedrooms, which is a bit of a, oh, right, that's protection. <laughs> there must be legislation on that when you look yep. at that, child protection. And then and then, and you've got, like, the families and sometimes they, you were speaking to mums and dads, which was actually really, really good because these, these young people didn't have mums and dads, if you know what I mean. They, they, they come into this club, they don't have mums and dads till you see their mums and dads and you go, oh, 
actually. So we've developed relationships with some of the parents as well, and they really, they really did help. It's, it's been really positive. Sad to say, COVID brought something, I would say, mainly positive to Fuse. Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, like that, we're in first name basis with probably 90% of the parents that... that have their young people attend here now or access the digital inclusion programme or something um, else that we, we kind of provide. But, you know, again, when I say first, I mean, they're still in the street and we're having conversations yeah. and, and they're also comfortable enough to say I'm really struggling with, with my kid, you know, yeah. um, Sophie, you know, I, I'm really struggling with them, you know, we're not getting on the news. Can you speak to them? <laughs> can, can, can you speak to them? And we are saying, I, I, do you know what, that's, that's uh, a good comfort that, that's, to have. That's an extra line of support that they would never have had before. And yeah. they would never have known that was even an option. No, they would never have approached us for that before. Yeah. And, and, and at the end of the day, you know, we, we have drop-in clubs in here. So it is very much drop-in. So you don't get that time yeah. with the parents. But now they'll come to the door and they want a gab with you when you're... you're so you're gab with three, four balls. parents at a time <laughs> when you're trying to get kids out and in. Um, but again, that's a nice problem to have. Exactly, exactly. So now we are speaking with Caitlin and Keegan, so could you just introduce yourselves and just tell us a wee bit about you? Yeah, um, I'm Caitlin. I've been working at Fuse for about two years now, volunteering for two years before that, so I've been here a while. Um, I'm a school student, so I'm 17, so uh, yeah, just a young person, and I, I really like talking. So, <laughs> that's so why po- I'm here. So, a podcast is perfect. <laughs> uh, I'm Keegan. I've also been working here for around two years. Um, I'm 18 years old and I'm currently at Glasgow Kelvin College studying acting and performance. Nice. Amazing. So, you guys did the podcast, uh, Talk To Me. So, that was part mm-hmm. of why, obviously, if a podcast is coming to interview a youth yeah. organisation, if we got a podcast, we'd be absolutely daft and not have a conversation <laughs> exactly. with the people that do a podcast. So, could you just tell us just a wee bit about Talk To Me? So, Talk To Me is, is the way that I like to say it, a podcast by young people for young people. <laughs> um, where basically, we talk a lot about different issues that might affect young people, but also just different topics that young people would be interested in. Yeah, like, talk to me as, like, it's educational, like, we talk about things that would, like, affect young people and things that you might not think young people actually think or care about. Mm-hmm. Like, um, one of the ones we've done was about housing association. We interviewed yeah, someone for that. that. And I actually thought that was one of the best ones. Oh, definitely. It was um, a lot of fun. Yeah, but that was purely educational but yeah. we also do ones that are just random topics just like me and Caitlin done one about no way home so yeah. it's it's yeah. just it's things that are educational but also just conversations so that you get both sides of how we actually think yeah what kind of topics do you discuss um so as Keegan said a lot of informative stuff to do with um like the housing association how um young people can like get into like any advice you need for um like plans to get a house but also stuff like uh, we've talked about reality tv <laughs> school um mental health in young people um and like stuff like music so it really can uh, be a, a variety just depending on 
what we feel like talking that So way. then there's like something for everybody then. Uh-huh. So because obviously we all know that young people and yous are young people um, mm-hmm. that have got loads of different interests. So you're trying to make sure that everybody's got a wee bit of something that they can maybe be able yeah. to relate to in that. Yeah. That's really, really cool. So like, what so when you're talking about like mental health and stuff like that, mm-hmm. what is the ideas behind that? Why is that so important? Um, I'd say because it's, it's a thing that's definitely talked a lot. Yep. Um, talked about a lot more now than it was um, in decades before. But I still think there's a lot of like taboo uh, like subjects to do with it. Yep. And I think it's good to raise like awareness of it and talk about our own experiences mm-hmm. so that it can maybe, even if it helps like, one young person to be able to feel comfortable and be able to openly talk about um, any mental health problems they're having, or even to educate them about what mental health is, then that would just be fulfilling the purpose. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, we've, um, we've even like, interviewed some of the club members, like a couple of the mm-hmm. juniors and a couple of the seniors, about like how they think that certain things could affect their mental health or what they think mental health actually is to see like how it progresses through age and everything and see how comparable it is. well not comparable but like like the similarities yeah like throughout like all the different people that you can meet just to like try and create a comfort zone like when we do talk about mental health yeah totally i think, I think it's great that you do talk about um real issues that face young people because yeah. it, it is taboo like it totally is and, exactly. and there's a lot, what I've really liked that you've started this as well is a lot of times it's young people are getting talked to by adults about issues. So it's folk that are being told that this is how you should feel and blah, 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 and this is mm-hmm. what it is. But you are young people having an open conversation about how young people do feel because you are young people. And I think yeah. that's just great. Like it's a great resource for that, for young people to tap into because these are young people, you are living it, these are currently in it. You yeah. are young people living through COVID that have nobody else has had to do that before. So mm-hmm. how that sort of is relatable, I just think it's great. Yeah. Um, but it's that sort of, I mean, I told you I ramble. So, <laughs> uh, but so why did you start it in the first place? What was, how did you get involved? Well, um, our uh, boss just like, pulled us in for a meeting one day was like hey we have this idea for a podcast for young people I'm like okay that that could be very interesting let's let's hear what let's hear what it has to say and it basically it just mentioned how it would be we get to have full control and we get to make this for young people and I just really like the idea of as you said being a young person talking to a young person because I exactly what you said it almost sometimes feels like an adult talking down to a young person telling them what their issues should be like when really it's good to know that other young people like you are going through similar stuff or even just talking about the interests that you're interested in yeah the original idea for talk to me was to get like young people's points of view mm-hmm. um so even just like, like caitlin and i were the two youngest staff members in fuse mm-hmm. So it was perfect for us to be the ones to take control of it. And we have had complete control since the beginning, yeah. really. Um, Do you know, I think, I think that's just so important that why, that's what makes it good. That's what makes it different. Definitely. Like it isn't a worker directing you saying, mm-hmm. this is your script, this is your topic, I want you to do that. This yeah. week, it's properly then done by you. And mm-hmm. it's, it's great. Sorry, I cut you up. But it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I've lost my train of thought now. Um, <laughs> thing there, like, 
when like when we've been doing it, like we've even like to get like points of view, like we had one that actually didn't get released. Yeah. That was literally we were just talking about it before. It wasn't even the one we had planned. Uh huh. So, mm. But like I said, it is just like sometimes it's educational. We'll completely put a plan. We'll have points ready, but other times it can just be a, a conversation. Just yeah. It's happened at random. Yeah. yeah. Like um, for that, for that example of the one that wasn't released, um, like literally it was a little behind the scenes of talk to me. Um, <laughs> we usually get a bit of food before it. And we were just sitting down, we were talking about, like, this, just random topics, and then there was this one we were just stuck on, we are like, press records right now, <laughs> like, while we were halfway still eating, our, <laughs> eating the dinner and that, we were like, and it ended up being like 40 minutes or yeah. something of just, and like, of pure talking, and it's just, I, I quite like that, how, obviously we structure it, and we have, like, ideas of what we're going to do, but sometimes you go in, and you can have this idea for one and it can just be completely different yeah. when it comes to recording that. And I quite like that, how it's it doesn't feel like it's too structured. It feels like... It's realistic. Like uh-huh. It feels natural. Yeah, like a natural conversation that you'd have with your friends. Yeah, yeah, totally. So how, how did you find like starting it? Like, How did you learn about structure and how did you learn about how to make a podcast? We started with our phones. We did. Like, we started with voice <laughs> Really? Um, oh, that's class. Yeah, like we was literally just put our phone down and just talk for 20 minutes, half an hour uh, about yeah. like what the first one we done was, uh, was it cams or was it social media? It was, I think it was uh, cams we were talking was it about. Cams? Yeah, mm-hmm. we literally just put our phone down and talked about cams for about half an hour. Um, and like we've gotten funds for like the equipment that we have and everything since then, but it's it's been a progress. Yeah. A process. <laughs> yes. A process. <laughs> um, and I, I remember the first time we got like the microphones and that and I walked in the room and I was like, Oh my we, god. We had no idea what we were doing. Because <laughs> it was almost just like this is ours, like this is our little mm. thing. And it's like we're in complete control and I was like, Oh my god <laughs> <laughs> Then like so for to be fair, I felt the same as you. So I, I started this on Zoom. So I did. Yeah. So and it was my my whole thing for the podcast was just mm-hmm. really try to speak to folk because I just want I enjoy podcasts and I wanted to stay connected to the field and blah blah, blah right. But then with, when the first time that we then done this and the first time when Ben uh, came on was to do all this sort of stuff, it was really weird. Like it's, it's, it's like so bizarre. It's like, what are you there? And I, it's, I, I properly relate to that because it's just strange, isn't it? When yeah. you, you started voice memo, I started with my laptop, yeah. and then when you're in a more produced environment, what we yeah. call it, then it's it's a bit awkward, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like sometimes even now I walk in, like I know what this exact setup is. I can picture it with my eyes closed, and then I walk in. And I'm still, like, oh my god, we're talking into microphones, and it's going through this whole thing. So then how did you, so from the sort of starting out when you've been doing the structuring, how do you like come up with ideas? How does that sort of like work out? Usually, sometimes it will, we'll have like our boss being like, here's ideas for topics. And then um, it's kind of like, you can put your own twist and you can do your own research, uh, like get your own questions and that. Or sometimes it is just a case of like, just email and be like, do you want to talk about this today? This is an idea I have here. It's a list of ideas. We can choose what ones we want to talk about. So it's literally just like, kind of whatever comes to our mind. And we're like, I'd like to talk about this. And then we'll 
have a discussion about it before it, like a brief discussion, and then just hit record. And have then the use plan. Sometimes we do. Yeah. If if we're doing the interviews with other people, yeah, then we we'll, like, we'll organize questions in that. But if not, usually it is literally just a case of go in, speak what's on your mind. Mm-hmm. I think that's the best way you're there. That's yeah. how I run this thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, so then, what's your favourite thing about doing the podcasts and being podcast hosts? Ooh, favourite thing. I think, personally for me, it's getting to, like, have a conversation about stuff that I'm interested in and hearing other people's perspective. Uh, perspective. Because um, it's... You can, like, assume how other people will think like, about it and then it will just be completely different. You're like, oh, okay. So then you get like another like view of it and I find that really interesting So I like like seeing the way that people think about like different topics. I like that bit. That's cool. Mine is probably the free food. Not <laughs> your bags. <laughs> Everything in you fuck. See if it starts with free food, you know you're on for a winner. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> No, I probably have to agree with Caitlin, like doing all the interviews and and seeing how people actually think, because like you said, like you kind of make assumptions yeah. about like based on someone's personality, but then you bring them up, you do an interview, and they turn out to be a completely different person. I think that's probably my favourite part, is just yeah. like actually doing the interviews. There's There's been so many times where I've been like, yeah, I know what this young person's like. She kind of, when you work with them, and... Um, like you're taking care of them basically in the club you kind of like oh yeah I, I can assume I kind of know what the answers are going to be and then they'll hit out with something mm-hmm. completely different you're like oh my god like it's just it feels like your brain's just like <laughs> it's mental <laughs> I, and do you know I think what's what's really cool is for everything you are saying like it just seems dead organic like and for mm-hmm. me like when when projects that we do and you're fucking when we're trying to do these things the more sort of freedom that young people have in the development of the programmes, I think that is so, so important. But it is just totally like, ah, well, we just have these ideas, we go for this, and then we go for it. Like, yeah. And it's you make it what it is, and every week can be different, and every episode can yeah. be different. Yeah. And then you talk about relatable subjects, or you have may or maybe banter episodes. or mm-hmm. You know, I think it just sounds really, really cool. Um, so then I suppose it takes us on to, like, future plans and topics. So, like, do you just have an idea of, like, a direction where you just want to go? What's going to be happening? What can people maybe look forward to? I think probably an idea that we've kind of been thinking about and we've started working on it is getting other people in the organisation involved. So, and just figuring out other people's stories. Because it's all well and good talking about us. That's always, <laughs> always fun to do. <laughs> But um, I think, as we said, it's really interesting hearing other people's points of views and things. And we've been coming up with ideas to hear just other people's stories and how that can possibly help and educate like young people through, yeah. like, rather than just sitting down and be like, here's this bit of information, here's this bit of information, make your own judgment. And you're like, this is a story that's happened. Take what you want from it. Yeah. I think for the future, I'd like to get like more people like mm-hmm. from different organisations. Oh, yeah, that is And well. to do interviews, because like, the, the one that we did was absolutely amazing. I mentioned earlier the Housing Association. Yeah. 
Um, but I'd love to do more of those. Yeah. I they're, think they're great. Like mm-hmm. getting, getting people in to just talk about what they do, what their job is, why they do it, things like that. Um, it's just great. I just love, like, like you said about people's stories, I just uh-huh. love learning about other people. Yeah. So I think definitely a lot more of that is something that people can look forward to. <laughs> nice. I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay. So um, so as you're podcast hosts, yes. yeah. you suddenly you think in your feet and you need to be able to oh, like yeah. maybe ask questions and mm-hmm. do things. So I want the two of you to ask me any question you want. I've got a question. I was really fast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was too fast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm quite interested on how you've done it through Zoom because obviously we've never done yeah. that. And I want to know how that works because that seems... I've seen like people doing it like, online, but I've seen... Um, maybe like youtubers of that like doing it over call and i've i've always been interested in like how to do that it, it's so straightforward it's unbelievable. It? <laughs> right, so set up your zoom codes mm-hmm. ping that to the person then you're in the call press record um you need to sometimes go into the settings to activate the recording yeah. it just depends on your account and zoom's just weird sometimes yeah and then Press record, have your conversation, and do it in a winner. You don't start and stop and things like that. Mm-hmm. End it, and then when you end the call, it gives you an audio file, and it gives you a video oh. file, and then that should go your information. Then you can put that into whatever software you're going to edit it on. So we use GarageBand, so then we can oh. throw that in there, and then you can edit it from that, because it's just there. Yes. And it's that good. easy. You know, and the one tip, the, the biggest tip I learned for Zoom was ask the other person to wear headphones. Because yeah. you get that audio bleed. So oh, like if yeah. their oh, laptop's right, yeah. too loud or whatever, I'll then say something and then that'll bounce back through their mic. Mm-hmm. So, and that's a disaster. Because then yeah, you need to then imagine. try and go back to like re-record an episode or if you've not spotted it in the edit, you just can't fix it. No, there isn't a fix. Yeah. Um, and that was a disaster. I had to re-record like mm-hmm. another like half podcast. Actually, it was Stephanie who guest hosts and stuff and does oh. some different things on this. Um, but we had to re-record like a whole massive segment of hers just because mm-hmm. whatever reason there was a big audio bleed happened and it was just weird. Yeah, um, I think right. I think we'll need to kind of take some inspiration from that because oh, yeah. <laughs> just what's actually just happened there because I've just came back from isolation and Keegan had to do a podcast himself basically. Oh, <laughs> so I think if we do one over Zoom that would make it a lot easier for yeah. if someone can be in. Aye, totally. And that was like, we were, this started when we weren't allowed out. You yeah. Know, so it was perfect, and it was easier to also get people because nobody was doing anything. So <laughs> whereas now actually to track people down because we're all really back mm-hmm. at work and we're doing things, but it's so straightforward to do, and we still do them. So we try and do as many in person as possible, but a lot of them are done through Zoom just because I'm trying to speak to people across the country. So it's yeah. really convenient to drive to Aberdeen. You know, <laughs> what I mean, for like a hour's <laughs> podcast that you don't get paid for. Like mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot in that. Whereas then yeah. you can just do a quick Zoom link, but then that will help you if you want to speak to other organisations mm-hmm. if yeah, they can. Can you come in? Like if you can do that, you can zoom in, and then it's, it keeps it a bit easier. The quality isn't as good, I would say, as mm-hmm. when you've got like a professional setup because yeah. this is clear because you've got proper mics, you've got your whatever you are using. Um, but it's still you wouldn't know really a massive difference. Yeah, and it's dead easy. That's really cool. Yeah. Question: What you got? How long have you been doing podcasts for? Just over a year. So we started at February. <laughs> It was. So let's see, look at you. Look at Ben. <laughs> ben, the OG. So I, so February 16th. So it was, so it's only really been a year. And we break it down. And I, I'm a you fucker. I'm not a podcaster. I'm not an interviewer. I've, yeah. I've, exactly. It's, yeah, and <laughs> I've really had to try and learn. Like, mm. I, I was just interested and I wanted to try something. And I mm. thought, 
just put it out there and see if people like it and people seem to like it and they still like it so we, <laughs> we you know and we just keep it going and um what's really cool about this and it was never ever planned as i mentioned stephanie like so she now helps me out so i, I when we've came back into full-time work like it's it's no really as easy as to actually schedule things with people so mm-hmm. it's also then finding help and like Ben the new like Ben's a sessional member of staff and volunteered and he can do sound production so now Ben comes on ways and then he can help with all this stuff and edits because I don't always have time to edit so <laughs> I can just be like cheers Ben when you go just <laughs> yeah. do what you need today and it's brilliant you know mm-hmm. and that's just how it sort of develops but it's only really been over a year and yeah. it's great it's pure good fun um, and I think what's really cool about podcasting in general loads of people are into it now and this is yeah, where like definitely um, i think like three years ago some mentioned it, but i've heard of it but i don't really know uh, and now like it's just everywhere it seems and it's like a really good form of like entertainment but also education where like you can just sit there and listen rather than like having to read or whatever yeah, definitely, and it's, it's a career path now. Like uh-huh. mm-hmm. people make money like yes. doing this, yeah. and like for you learning this as a skill this early on and understanding like how to interview and how to speak to people, you can then take that into work at some point if you wanted to. Yeah, you know, you could scale up your own podcast to try and make it as big as Joe Rogan's, who's is the big, although his is controversial, I get that, yeah, but it's the, biggest pod, it's, it's the biggest podcast in the world, you know, is, yeah. it's, and he signed that crazy million, however many pound deal with Spotify, but it's, there's real money also yeah. in it as well, if you want to start something, so it is a genuine career path, mm-hmm. which is something that we, people don't really think associate with podcasting yet, because uh-huh. it's still growing, but it's so accessible. Definitely. Nice. Right, so what would you say to any other young people who are looking to start their own podcast? Um, I think the best kind of advice that I could say is make sure you're talking about something that you're interested in because there's nothing worse than if you're sitting talking about something you would rather not be talking about or something you're just not interested in. And I feel like when... I think what's good about our podcast is that when you are talking about something that you're interested in that's what makes it a kind of natural conversation and it just makes it more enjoyable to make but also to listen to for other people yeah i think that's like genius yeah i like be interested in your t- like it sounds like sort of simple but it's genuinely like the most important thing yeah because like if you if you just think Right, I want this to be successful, and you focus on that. It's not going to be as good. You just—it's better to kind of get that organic than trying to like be like, this needs to be successful, and this is how I'm going to do it, and this is stuff I'm going to talk about. If you're not interested, then it's just not going to be as good. Nice, I, I I'm pure on board with that. Mm-hmm. I think for me, it would just be to just like stick with it, like to mm-hmm. like because like, obviously like. We don't have a lot of listeners. Like it's yeah, not, it's a school. It's very random, but it's limited mm-hmm. what we do. But it's it's not putting us off. No. Like we both love it, and um, that's it's some it's something that we've loved doing since the start of the podcast. So, I think for me, it's more to just like make sure that even if it's not like blowing up, it's not viral. Just keep going because yeah. it's still successful even if one person's listening yeah yeah definitely I think what you just said I just wrote the word numbers there because I think for me numbers that's not a massive thing and I think mm-hmm. you just pure nailed the need there it's, 
it's a, it's about what you also get out of that as yeah. well. It's you're doing something that's creative, it's an outlet, it's interesting, mm-hmm. and it can maybe benefit people listening. And it's not about going viral. Like I think that's an amazing. It's an amazing way to think about that, especially when everything is about a viral moment. Yeah. Um, whereas it's not actually about the numbers, it's about what the content is, what you are speaking about, and you having fun. Yeah. Like, do yes. you, so do you, do you, I suppose that's maybe another question, do, do you enjoy it, do you have fun? Like, uh-huh. Oh yeah. It's, it's probably one of the highlights of my week. I can be like, right, just sitting, I'll, I'll be sitting in my house and I'll just think, I want to talk about this. I want Keegan to talk about this. <laughs> And then if he's on board, then I'm like, right, I can just get excited about talking about this, just letting it all out. And it's I like doing that because, as I said, I very much enjoy talking. So <laughs> especially about stuff that I like. So I like to be able to share that interest. Yeah. Amazing. But where can people listen to your podcast? You can listen to us on Spotify and Apple Music. Nice. Is there anything else that you would like to add? Anything else you would like to say? Or ask me? Or? Um, trying to think. I think just... Just if you are going to start a podcast, have fun. It is very enjoyable. It is a very enjoyable mm-hmm. yeah. thing and experience. Amazing, cool. Cheers for spending a wee bit of time just chatting to us. It's been pure Thank cool. Actually, this is also the first time I've spoke to other podcast people on the podcast, so it's pure yeah, nice to do that. This is our yeah, first time talking to other podcasts. Podcast inception. Yeah, amazing, cool. Thank you very much. Cheers, Thank guys. You. Thank you. What I'll do now is um, I'll take you to the signature question. So we put this at the end of every podcast, and we would just like to know what advice you would look to give someone who's looking to start a career in CLD and in youth work and in our amazing field. Who wants to go first? Um, me. Um, what advice would I give to someone looking to start a career in CLD? I think you've just heard from myself and Ashley about what it takes. It takes a lot of hard work. It does take a lot of commitment. You need to feel it. I would. Need, I think don't come into this because you think, oh, that looks lovely. Because maybe what you see for the outside, like for instance, my job's mainly a desk job, mm-hmm. but I get so much more out of that. So other people don't necessarily see what I do. You need to know that you have to be fluid. It's, it, it's lovely, it, you can feel the impact, but you do need to be hard working. You do need to want to do it, you do need to want to help, you do need to have a passion for, for supporting people, mm-hmm. communities. And if it's young people that you want to work with, then you do it. And I think I, if you get something maybe to offer, is if you maybe, for instance, we've interviewed some youth workers, and when they tell that story about having a hard time or school wasn't so great and this is what I did and I went off the rails a wee bit you know and then they come back we find it's something not always but they can be really brilliant youth workers because they understand mm-hmm. that doesn't mean to say if you didn't have that you're not a good youth worker but you need to be passionate yeah definitely Amazing. passionate hard working and I committed brilliant mine's I've got two so my first one is um, is actually be prepared to put the graft in yep. um, you know if you've got a life while you're Working in CLD, you're doing it wrong because <laughs> it's unsociable hours. Be be prepared to work nights and weekends. You know, don't think you can work nine to five Monday to Friday. Um, I still don't work nine to five Monday to Friday. I'm pretty sure Sean doesn't work nine to five Monday to Friday. Never will. It's not that kind of job. And if you're looking for that kind of job, it's not for you because you need to put the graft in. You know, I, I worked Saturdays and Sundays right up to 
just before I started here. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the best part of 10, 10 years. So, I I had no life. <laughs> I'm still I'm still trying to claw that back. But I think the, the biggest bit of advice I would say is get in about it early. So, even if you're at uni, volunteer. Take you need the experience. Mm-hmm. All too often, we have people who go to uni. And, and it's all fluffy bunnies, you know, they go from college to uni or, or straight to uni for community learning development. Um, and then they'll come to do some, some kind of experience here and it's a shock to the system when because it's totally, <laughs> totally not what they thought it was going to be. And a lot of the time, to be quite honest with you, it either puts them off or they've got to change their career choice because... Mm-hmm. They didn't realise it actually isn't an easy job. If if you know, if I even think about my own family, if if I say to hey, my mum the nobody I do is a job, she'll go, Oh, you work with wee wains? And I say, I've n- never ever done that. I don't know where you <laughs> will get this way. And and my partner will laugh because he does a manual labour job and he'll go, Oh, you've got it easy. And I'm like, You have no idea. You can do your work and go home. I take mine's home with me every single night. During manual leave, I'm still thinking about work. I'm still answering emails. You don't shut off when you're CLD. And I think so many people that go to education and then into jobs, they, 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 it's a shock to the system. So get in about it early. Know what it's about. Know your know your craft. Know what you're going to be doing. And if you're not up for that, then it's no the, no role for you, as Ashley no. said. And I think that might sound like quite hard, but why do you do it, Ashley? <laughs> Well, I'm stealing Bad. your role, Connie, because, but, because but I'm hearing the hard bit, but so why would you do that then? Why, why would we do that? I couldn't imagine doing anything else anymore. Like I say, I never fit in any other jobs. It, it wasn't mm. for me, I was pretty much sacked for every other job that I had. I think that's key what you said there, Ashley, because um, you said the word as well, Connor, adaptable again. You don't come in here. If you think you're coming in here 95 and you were, a, you were, you were employed to do... Uh, the youth drop-in session and what that usually entails is you'd be working on the floor with the young people. If you think that that's all you'll ever do in your tenure at working with Fuse or any other organisation, you're mistaken because you might find yourself having to pick up a hoover. You might find yourself then asked to do a presentation. You might find yourself asked to answer phones one day or you might even be asked to, to go and join another project to kind of yeah. help out with the staff there mainly because you gather some experience but or somebody's off sick mm-hmm. just be adaptable that was the word you used adaptable is probably the most key thing and and i'm i'm no <coughs> you know life skills counts for more than anything in cld work it right. really does it's you've you've got to be you've got to be a people person as well you've got to be able to you have that empathy to see other people's points of view if you can't do that you're going to struggle that's that's just a that's just a fact. I've always said, see if you work in the third sector, you probably will never cut out for a normal job. <laughs> <laughs> you were never going to last in another job because you'd need to be bonkers to do this kind of job. You really would. You need to, you need to have that passion, that drive, and you need to be a wee bit nuts. Everybody, I've never worked, uh, myself included, I've never worked with anybody in CLD that's not been a wee bit crackers. <laughs> you, you'd absolutely need to be because I don't think we would last. I don't think we would last in a normal job. I thought I was saying. I don't, and 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 that's probably why this job. It's very different. It's a different industry to anything else you'll do. Um, 
there's no another industry like third sector and, and, and CLD and working with kids and families. You'd need to be nuts. You just would. Good Amazing. nuts. Good nuts, hi. Good, good nuts. nuts. No so, nuts, nuts, but good nuts. <laughs> is there anything else you'd like to add? Anything else you'd like to highlight about the organisation? Our organisation, you know, has sprouted arms and legs in the last three, four years at least. I'm not going to say for me and Sharon started, but for me and Sharon started. We and and you know it's like I say this this place is very misleading compared to what we actually do and and, and the service that we provide to the local community and wider you know we're, we've get we're on and fingers in many pies as they say um, and we've got a great team that work with yeah. us and, and we've got a big team that work with us again mm-hmm. you'd probably think there would only be 10 people that work here but we've got an excess of 36 to 40 yeah. staff or shape sizes ages <laughs> yeah I, it's fab i think there is that that there is the one size fits all no and everybody talks up their own organisations that they work for because everybody does something that's really good. But none of them are as good as us. But none of them are good as us. <laughs> <laughs> we, we do have a really good bunch of uh, team. And, and pff, like I say, we're all, we're all a wee bit nuts. I think the reason why we're so busy, and I suppose to add to that, is the reason why we're so busy is we are always striving to be perfect. I, I know that I've been striving to be perfect in here for five years now. And we're not perfect. But we keep striving to be perfect. Exactly. And I think if I'm here in another five years, I'll probably say the exact same thing. <laughs> There's always something to do. The third sector doesn't have departments. I came for the private sector. I've, I've worked close to public sector. I worked for the council. Um, and you have your HR department, your finance department. You have all these different departments. Um, pretty much I'm finance in here. I'm a wee bit of HR. We do have some, some deals that does a wee bit of HR. We have some deals that does finance in here. Yeah, everything. You wear all the hats. Totally. And that is exactly what I like, because I like to try everything. And, and Ashley's a jack-of-all-trades. I'm definitely a jack-of-all-trades. And I there's a good book out there, apparently, I need to read about that. Because I used to slag myself for that, that I didn't master in anything. But I think I've actually done pretty well um, to get to a place where I love my job. But again, I think that's, that's a huge thing about people who work in CLD and third sector, is that you, you can multitask beyond belief. You know, you're no, I don't know about yourselves, but if you ever work with people who are um, at times kind of stuck in their way, you know, they've got a job, they work in an organisation where they've got their own wee job and that's what they do and they don't dare kind of stray outside the borders of what they're supposed to do and and, and where there is people, when have you ever had a week that's the exact same as the week before? It doesn't happen. Doesn't it? It's not a it thing. Happen. And so, your weeks don't actually plan out the way you actually plan them out to be. Absolutely. It's, so you, so that's the thing. Do you know, I, one of the jobs I worked in before, and I'll no name it, I was, I had kind of, oh, I've made it, I became a social enterprise advisor, and that was where I wanted to be, and I was like kind of pretty much almost the top of the chain of where I was, um, and I've made it. And there was something spilled in the hallway, and I went right away to go and get paper towels to clean it up, and I was quite quickly chastised and told, what are you doing that for? Such and such. Like the janitor guy would do that. And I was like, because there's a spillage on the floor and, and I'm here and and I couldn't help myself. Uh, and then it made me look at myself and think, am I maybe, maybe I shouldn't be behaving like that. Maybe I should. And I tried to stop myself from doing that. And then I realised about six months into trying to correct that behaviour that I was going back to being me because that's what made me me. And, and that... People liked me, like my clients. Mm. They quite liked my support, and that was because of who I was. Know that person who 
I don't do that. Somebody else does that. I'm too good for that. Ah, that's that's out of order. So, no, it's totally cut. Yeah. I know, but if you work in the private sector, ah. that that's like not out of order because they've got people to do these things. But I just, it's just no me. You know, you've got places who've got like a grade three and they wouldn't do the job of a grade five. And you, something that, needs doing. It needs that doing. blows my mind. Aye, Absolutely aye. blows my mm-hmm. mind. But again, I keep saying it. That's why we all do this kind of job because we wouldn't fit in anywhere else. So I back to <laughs> your signature question. Agreed. If you if 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 that's your mindset and there's nothing wrong with that, this isn't the sector for you. No, absolutely not. No. And put in the graft. That's it. Put in the raft. Well, amazing. Cheers for having us today. It's been amazing just to come and chat to you, hear more about the organisation and for you just coming on the podcast because we want to just try and speak to you as many folk as possible because it's a, it's a cool resource for everybody. So, appreciate it. Thank you, you very much. You picked the right two staff because we could talk for a long day. I'm sure you've picked it up, but thanks, Connor. I appreciate it. Thank you very much for having us. Thanks very much for checking out this week's podcast. Head over to Anchor or Spotify to check out Keegan and Caitlin's podcast, Talk To Me. It's amazing and it's a great resource that you guys should share with young people because they talk about real issues like they discussed. And a massive shout out to Fuse Youth Cafe for hosting this and letting us have the conversation. Thanks very much. Catch you next time.